With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Recruit Jake and the crew at Edwards and Smith Buyers Agents. Visit edwardsandsmith.com.au. This is SEN Saturdays in the Southeast with Jake Edwards and Jason Matthews. It's all about health, wealth and footy. Hello and welcome to Saturdays in the Southeast. No Jake Matthews today. My name is Jack Fulham. I'm uh, coming in off the bench, off the substitutes bench with the star of the show, Jake Edwards. Jake, how are you this morning? Very well, thanks, Jack. But it's Jason Matthews, mate, not Jake Matthews. Ah, close <laughs> enough. That's a good start. Close enough. Good start Jesus. Here Saturday morning. It's uh, well. It's been a it's been a big couple of days. We have had sport galore in the southeast recently. We've had the Broncos and the Roosters at the Gabba. We've had the Women's World Cup. It's, it's been happening. a couple of late nights. We've had Ashes action on. Yeah, hasn't been much late, mate. So forgive me. Nah, you're forgiven. Mate. I understand <laughs> that. Yeah, how many coffees you into this morning? Uh, too many, too many. The old ticker's going boom, 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 but. Uh, we're here, we're getting on with it, and uh, you can kick your property goals with Edwards and Smith, buyers, agents, and h- how are things in the world of Edwards and Smith this week? Yeah, I was talking to Daddy earlier, our producer, just in what's happening. Look, not too much has changed over the last month. Um, still very competitive for stock. Still the biggest challenge at the moment is getting and securing the right property. Look, not securing it, it's actually finding it and getting them them to want to sell, mate, because people uh, are thinking, well, if I sell, I've got to buy back into the same market. Where am I going to go? So people are knuckling down and holding, uh, Jack, over the next probably three or four months until we hit spring, and then I think you'll see a bit more stock come to market. Well, uh, there has been no shortage of sport going on in the southeast and going on overseas. Uh, Jake, you've been keeping an eye on the ashes? Yeah, I have been. Yeah, I'm a sucker for it. You know, the missus can't stand it. <laughs> but uh, she's generally in bed by a court to eight, and I'm down on the couch, uh, just relaxing, uh, enjoying enjoying the cricket. Uh, do you love it? Are you into it? Oh, absolutely! How good is just sitting down, uh, you know, starting at about seven thirty at night to watch eight hours of just wall to wall cricket? It is, uh, it, it's unreal, and it has been one of the great Ashes series. It's just been twists and turns and ebbs and flows at yeah, every okay. point, um, right. and. Heading into the fifth test, we you know still don't know which way it's going to go. Obviously, Australia they have retained the Ashes, but we want to win this last test match or at least draw it, make it two one, and and win the Ashes outright. And uh, it's kind of been a funny week with the Ashes because uh, after the fourth test, Pat Cummins has come in for uh, just what I think is some really unfair criticism. He's leading the Ashes. They're 2-1 up, and his captaincy's been questioned this week. Mm, yeah, it's it's interesting, isn't it? Like, as a captain, your job is to win test, and the ultimate test in the test arena is the Ashes, isn't it? And he, we've we've retained him. We, have, we haven't won the series. I think that's what's hanging over his head at the moment, Paddy. But I think people forget as well, this is the, the sixth test back-to-back that the Australian team has played in England. We had the World Test Series against India, which we, we had a fantastic win, and now we're, we're back-to-back in a high-intense environment like the Ashes. I mean, who wouldn't be exhausted? You know, like, you know, you, you, three or four tests in, uh, I can't blame Paddy for, at times, 
And I, I look, I, I do admit watching, you know, on the, um, Thursday night when it, it started and the bowling, some of the, the tactics early on with pushing blokes back on deep square point and deep square leg, just giving them easy singles. I think they had the first 50 or 60 runs that were, you know, 30 or 40 of them were just pushing out to to those boundaries, which, which was a little bit questionable. But at the end it's of the day... It's very negative, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's negative. But at the end of the day, we, we roll them for under 300. So... Yeah, it's a it's a difficult one, and I don't know what part of that is contributing to the way England go about their batting, but I think at times our bowling and our game plans might not have given the response that, that Paddy was hoping for anyway. But, yeah, interesting times, mate. Do you think he'll hand it over? And if he does, who who steps in? It is a, it is a very, a very interesting debate. Well, obviously a lot of former Aussie legends have had their say on it. Mark Ward you know, said he's looked frazzled in recent tests. Uh, then he went on to say he looks tired. He struggled in India and in this Ashes, he struggled in nearly every test match. Um, SEN's own Darren Berry, the uh, former Victorian cricket captain, he uh, said that Cummins should resign from the captaincy after the Ashes series. Um, so, and who do they go back to? Do they go back to Steve Smith or maybe a, a Travis Head? Or he, he even threw up Mitch Marsh as an option, which right. uh, for a bloke that's been in the wilderness for three years and has just come back into the side, would be a huge call. Uh, I, I think Steve Smith has done his, his time in the wilderness. I think he deserves another shot. He's obviously got a great tactical brain. He's a wonderful cricketer. And it's always going to be hard for a fast bowler to be the captain. Just You have to concentrate so much on your performance and what you're doing individually and then trying to concentrate on the rest of the team, field placements, tactics, and worrying about the game going around you. So I think it's just too much on the plate for a fast bowler, Jakey. I think, have has a question been asked to Paddy? Has he been asked, mate, well, what's your plan? Are you enjoying it? Is captaincy something you want to move forward with? Or is he just giving it a straight bat, pardon the pun, to get through the ashes? And then I wouldn't be surprised if he makes the call at the end of the series to kind of say, hey, you know what, let's go a different direction. The last, how old's Paddy now? 31, 32? Yeah, he'd been in his early... In his early thirties, but Jake, like in your time, like when is the right time to pass over, you know, the baton of captaincy? Because it is, yeah. especially for uh, you know having a huge job like being the the national cricket captain or being a, a captain of a large footy club. There's just so much more than you know directing the troops around on the field. It, it's an all encompassing role, isn't it? Yeah, it's a huge role, and I think people miss um, misappreciate in some sense what the responsibility means away from the field. So not only was Paddy, you know, doing all the stuff, all the tactics, tactics on the field and implementing that minute by minute away from the ground, um, Jack, there's a lot of responsibility for sponsors and media and all this stuff that's added um, added pressure to becoming captain. I remember when I was at Carlton uh, in end of 2008, I want to say, in 2007, uh, when Pagan got the sack and then uh, Ratton took over. So very interesting transition phase there with the coach. We had uh, Anthony Kudafidis was my first captain. And then at the back end of Kuda's career, Chris Judd gets recruited to the club who comes over. So ultimately, even growing up in junior ranks, generally the captaincy got given to the best player. And it was never always the best option when it comes uh, to it as a captain. And even at that time at Carlton and that, I never really felt that, that Juddy was the standout leader of the group for what I would perceive to be an all-round captain. But what Juddy was fantastic with was preparation, you know, really showed the young boys on how to how to get your body right, work hard, all those things that you need. But he, he wasn't 
he wasn't um, saying uh, Andrew Carazzo and, and Heath Scotland were better leaders in my opinion because they were more personable and were a bit more relatable to kind of the you know the average footballer as such and um, where Jody was fantastic for his for his obvious reasons but look in terms of timing it it goes along with where the club's at at that time um, yeah we look at footy clubs over the last couple of years and they've gone from the theory of I think having three or four captains to try and manage that that workload I think we're coming back now to no no, no we only want to identify he or she is the captain of our team which I think is the right way to go about it um, and then having the right support around around them as well but yeah that was an interesting time at Carlton when Juddy came in and, and took over and I'd be interested in the kind of hear from him at some stage whether or not he felt that was the right thing at that time um but he's certainly done a great job on the field uh and off the field it's uh it's a different ball game now there's a funny anecdote that went around during the week on juddy on a a rival network andy lee the the really well-known comedian the one half of hamish and andy he's a massive carlton fan he'd always you know be at games or hanging around the rooms and doing stuff like that yeah he uh there was one day where he's Worn his jersey to the game, or worn his guernsey to the game. Um, you know, no t-shirt, no t-shirt underneath, just the the skinny white arms hanging out. And he's gone down to the rooms. Carlton have had a win, and Juddy's come straight up to him and gone, "Aren't you a bit old to be wearing a guernsey to the footy?" <laughs> uh, it's a, it's I, a big question. Is there? Well, what's the cutoff age that uh, you can't wear your jumper around? That, it's an interesting one because I, I've chatted to a lot of people about this, and the opinion is split. Like I. I'm a football nuffy. I love going to sport. Um, yeah, if I've got a, a jersey of the team that's playing, I'll probably wear it. But other people are like, ah, oh, once you get over about, you know, 14 or 15, stop wearing a guernsey to the sport, mate. You know what? I, I, I tend to agree with both sides. I don't want to sit on the fence. I'm going to say, <laughs> I'm going to say 16 is the cutoff. 16, yeah. I can, I can appreciate a, an, older, an older figure wearing their... Their footy guernsey, as long as there's a polo underneath or there's a jacket over yeah. the top or, or yeah, something. Yeah, there's gotta like be that. some there's gotta be something underneath it. Yep. Um can't expose yeah. the arms. Yeah, yeah, especially if you there. especially if you haven't been doing much work on the rig at the gym too. <laughs> it's uh nobody wants to see that. No, spot on, spot on. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a big question that gets asked a lot of times around my um the pub test, as we call it. Um <laughs> at what age do you cut that off? And sixteens for me. Uh, what was he like to play under Juddy um, as a fear? Because he he's almost kind of mythical in um, you know in the way that he was held you know as a footballer is uh, dominated the game of AFL you know from the mid two thousands sort of right up until he retired in twenty fifteen. Um, obviously, he's done amazingly well for himself off the field with some shrewd investments. Ultra smart bloke, but mm. it, it, there always seems like there's a, a little bit of a wall around him. Yeah, it's interesting question, Jack, because no doubt top three players that I've ever played alongside. Like my very first AFL game at Carlton was Juddy's first game for the club, 2008, against Richmond round one. There was 80,000 people at the MCG. And the Tigers fact, did you, if I remember. They did by just over a kick, I think it was in the end. So, but we got Matthew him, we, Richardson kicked five. Yeah, he had, a, he had a big day on the wing, Richo. There wasn't too many Carlton blokes who could go with Richo, to be honest. But <laughs> he, um, Juddy was a fantastic player and a really great guy. Like He's really nice and um, humble. Um, but I think I've heard Juddy's comment on this post his career. I think he admits that during his 
career at times he was probably too serious and he probably needed to relax a little bit more around the playing group or just enjoy his time a little bit more. Uh, yep. And that that's probably in line with my view on Juddy, um, what he was like as a player. And I remember there was a couple of times in that when we actually got got on the beers with him and at one stage there was about five of us went to his house pre-Christmas drinks once and, you know, he was, he just, he was a bit more relaxed and a bit loose. He's actually quite a funny funny person when you give him the time and the environment uh, that he's in. But you, you wouldn't get that sense from him around the footy club because he was so professional, he was so down the line, very driven individual. But he was the kind of guy that said, hey, boys, follow me, jump on my back. I'll, I'll take us to the promised land, which he almost did uh, at one stage there at the end of 2010. So, you know, he's a fantastic player, great guy, doing amazing things away from the field, very smart. He's a private school boy. Um, he used his education for the better. Well, we've got a huge show coming up on Saturdays in the southeast, so make sure you stick around. Up next, we're going to talk to the managing director of SW Brokerage, Barry Wilkinson. He's got some technical tips to help us manage our finances. And we've also got a preview of round 18 of the AFLQ. That competition is heating up, a very tight race for the finals. And we'll take another look at what is happening across the southeast this weekend. Stick around. Recruit Jake and the crew at Edwards and Smith Buyers Agents. Visit edwardsandsmith.com.au. This is SEN Saturdays in the Southeast. It's all about health, wealth, and footy. Let SW Brokerage help you meet your financial goals. This is Saturdays in the Southeast on SEN. Welcome back to Saturdays in the Southeast with Jake Edwards and Jason Matthews. Jason is off today. My name is Jack Fullen. Coming in off the bench and joining us now, the Managing Director of SW Brokerage, Barry Wilkinson. Let SW Brokerage help you meet your financial goals. Barry, thank you for joining us on this beautiful morning across the southeast. Oh, thanks very much for having me, boys. I, I, uh, I, I, love, the, uh, I love the listening each week uh, and uh, I've become accustomed to AFL uh, more so than any other sport, even though my love is football, i.e. the round ball, but... Mate, I, uh, I'm loving the energy of, uh, of this each week, I have to admit. Love now, work, Barry, Barry, you've been getting into the uh, Women's World Cup while it's been on? I have the Nigeria versus Australia game. Oh, wasn't it disappointing? Um, honestly, I, I, Australia's got it up. Uh, I think they've got an uphill battle now. I think they've got to play Canada, who are a good team. And no Sam Kerr. Well, we will only find out if Sam Kerr is going to play pretty much morning of the game, but it doesn't look likely with that calf injury and also a race for Mary Fowler to be fit as well. So we might be in the same predicament as we were against Nigeria with uh, with nobody up front. Yeah, I think so, mate. It doesn't look good, does it? And it's uh, when you get these do-or-die games, typically, regardless of the code, you start doing things that are uncommon if things aren't going your way. So it can go either two ways, go against you, or, you know, once you go to a goal down or another one down, it's an uphill battle. But uh, my prediction would be England, US or Canada to be up there uh, towards the end. Hey, Baz, no. mate, um, we're here, buddy, to touch about some financial advice, mate. As you're the man that we all love and we all go to. And we're talking specifically about some online money-saving apps or most effective ways for today's generation to uh, to access some yep. um, some apps potentially, mate. Have you got any in mind? Well, I do, I do, mate. Um, you know, I, I, I do, and I, there's, there's a couple out there. And there's a, this is probably for your listeners that are obviously you know having a bit of a listen to 
some banks maybe out there to trying to avoid paying fees because you know you get your big banks they're coming out with billions of dollars of profits each each uh, each each year and you know it can be frustrating for a lot of people but mate there's there's a bank Ubank it's totally online you can say you can set up a savings account using your app it's zero fees and it's currently paying five percent interest as long as you deposit two hundred dollars per month into that account so Ubank is the bank that uh, I'm referring to here. So if you're listeners right now, Google Ubank. Um, ING also have one called the Saving Maximizer. ING have always been really good in this space, I have to admit. They're a global bank. Um, you're totally online as well. You can set up your account using your app. Zero fees. They're currently paying 5.5 interest. But as long as you uh, deposit $1,000 in there each month, Okay, so just to confirm, you can have your pay going in there, but it needs to be a thousand dollars a month, um, and you know the, the balance just needs to increase a dollar a month for you to get that benefit. Okay, um, and you can have up to as well. I think it might be five transactions per month on that. So ING have always played in that space. It's very attractive, slightly high, but you've got to have that minimum amount going in each month. Another one is Beyond Bank. Uh, Beyond Bank are a certified bank that meets certain minimum standards for environmental friendliness and working conditions for all staff, moving other other things. Basically, what I'm getting at there, boys, 4.45, they have a rate. They use environmentally friendly organisations. Beyond Bank is one that you could look at there. Really good for younger type of uh, clientele. Um, so those three banks, just to recap, is your U-Bank, your ING, and Beyond Bank. Okay, Beyond Bank's 4.45. Hey, hey Baz, where are we at, mate, with interest rates right now? Are we expecting question, it? Are we expecting Jake. the rise, mate, or what's going to happen? Uh, good question, mate. Um, oh, look, uh, do I expect a rate, right raise? Oh, God, I, I'm, I'm 50-50 at the moment now. Mm. Um, I think with the recent data that come out, with the inflation's come back, wouldn't be wouldn't shock me if the markets are all predicting that we uh, we sit. Have we reached the peak? Well, few economists are saying that we have. Uh, so, well, when you say that you fifty uh, fifty now, what were you mm. two, three, four weeks Before, ago? Yeah. Well, maybe if you ask me at the beginning of the month, uh, looking at some of the banks out there, and you and, and a lot of your listeners, uh, a lot of people wouldn't see what we get to see. Mm. We see banks are moving uh, internally. A lot of their fixed rates are going up. Some banks are increasing their uh, variable rates at the same time, even outside any rate prediction, um, which is quite sad to see. So if you'd asked me maybe a month ago, I would have said definitely another rate rise or another two. But after the recent data and things being pulled back, plus global inflation's coming back, wouldn't be surprised if rates stay where they're at. But if they do go, they may go one more time. But I pretty pretty close, but I think we hit the ceiling. So 0.25, you think? Uh, mate, I, honestly, oh, I'm going to throw it out there. I'll be surprised. Uh, yeah, rip the band-aid off, go 0.25, and then obviously they'll wait and see. But it wouldn't surprise me if they sit still. Honestly, it would not surprise me. Um, now, so, you know, that's probably the answer to your question, mate. Now, Barry, just before we wrap up, for young people out there that are, you know, prospective first-home buyers, they're looking at getting, uh, you know, going to the bank to get their, their first-ever home loan, 
What are some of the red flags that banks will look for in your bank account history and your transaction history um, that might, you know, sort of cruel your chances of getting a loan or, or make it a lot harder? Well, well, you know, they'll look a lot at at normal kind of they'll, they'll compare your discretionary and your non-discretionary, and they'll look at that over, you know, maybe a sixty-day period. So things that you you know you wouldn't normally buy, and and typically you know you normally see a bit of an influx uh, arise and stuff when it comes to Christmas. So little things like my suggestion would be to some of the people out there that are listening, start a little savings account for you know things that uh, you you know that will pop up in months to come, i.e. Christmas, Melbourne Cup, you know spring's coming to to uh, out, so you probably maybe buy some more clothes. So little things like that they'll look at um, and they'll really hone in on things that kind of stand out. Your normal, you know, your normal day-to-day spending, no, not so. But my suggestion to some of your listeners, definitely use, uh, you know, a different savings account. And those ones that I just referenced there, I mean, there's some great credit cards out there at the moment that people can use the benefits from. I know Coles have a great card at the moment, which is, you know, no annual fee. If you sign up, you can get 50,000 points for signing up. You've got to spend sorry, $3,000 to $4,000 in the first three months or 90 days to get that. And then you can get an ongoing reward, rewards program. So every one flyby point that you do get, you, sorry, for every $2 you do spend, you get a one flyby um, point. So a lot of people use that for Christmas presents. A lot of people use that for flying. American Express have a really good one at the moment for every dollar you're spending. There's a dollar twenty. There's a uh, one one twenty-five points. So that's one twenty-five points that you do get. A lot of people are using that. American Express at the moment have a Platinum Edge, no annual fee for the first year. One hundred ninety-five dollars after that, and this is the real crack of this one. So uh, it comes with a two hundred per year spend on travel. So you can use it for flights, accommodation, rental car. Um, so that's the American Express Platinum. And then outside those cards, boys, you've got, you know, your interest-free cards, ING, uh, a really good one. It's called ING Orange One. Uh, that's 11, 11.99% interest rate and has a 45-day interest-free part. So mm. trying to bring it back to what you were saying just before about, you know, the abnormal spending for the first-home buyers, my suggestion would be is utilise the cards, the credit cards that they have got, pay them off, of course, but utilise things that you know that will be coming up at the end of the year and use those points for for buying presents because you can actually do that. Or hop online and sign up with the Qantas card. Uh, Qantas have, you know, deals going all the time. I personally have a Qantas card myself and my wife and I, we use Christmas presents and things like that um, for, for, uh, you know, to save some cash as well. So just as a rule of thumb, mate, when it comes to credit cards, the idea, the perfect scenario, and when credit cards, you've got to be extremely disciplined to ensure that you're not overspending and you've got the capacity to pay them back. Is the is the general consensus to use your credit card for things such as, say, fuel, groceries, um, <clears throat> utilities, um, that things that you, you have to pay for that you're paying for anyway in everyday life and then putting that money aside as you go at the end of the month, cleaning that credit card balance to zero? Is, is that is that the best approach? Yeah, mate, one, yes, 100%. Uh, in theory, you know, it all comes down to behaviour. Unfortunately, the banks have got psociology behind this where they know people's behaviour do yeah. doesn't equate to what you just suggested there, Jake. I mean, look, there's, there's, there's over 13 million credit cards in Australia in use. Wow. 
you know, the, mas- the national debt accruing interest is about $18.6 billion. So it's quite large, right? So it's, it's massive. So you think to yourself, well, how many Australians are actually working? Um, not as, you know, there's 25 million. Not everyone's working full time. Not everyone has a credit card. But to answer your question, yes, Jake, in all honesty, it's the old, the old, I'd have the old way and then the new way. With what you're spending, get your statements sent to you in the mail or print them out and have a look at them every month and highlight, I think I've said this to you in the past, but things that you should be using on your credit card is everyday bills, everyday bills, but making sure that you're not spending more than you're making. That's the key. And it's obviously printing out the statements to go through that. But people utilise it, mate. I I know a lot of people that are actually quite uh, quite good with the credit cards and and pay it off, but they utilise those points. The key is the points. That's the, you know, it's the big thing, but... Uh, there's a lot of, it'd lot of money worth, out there, mate. It'd be worth, mate, next couple of weeks, maybe we touch on, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll let you run now, mate, into your Saturday, but maybe touching on kind of the the bit more deep dive into the credit card scenarios and the points and what people can um, achieve with, with them as well. Yeah, look, I'd love to. Um, you know, I'd, I'd love to have a bit more of a conversation about the credit cards and, you know, things that trap people. Um, yeah. You know, the stuff that they need to avoid as well. And, and getting into a good credit card. I know that there's one lender out there. I won't mention who they are just in case they, they call me. Um, you know, it's very attractive online. But then you look at the finer details after six months, sorry, after 60 days, it just skyrockets. Mm. And I just gave you that stat just before, how much is outstanding on interest cards, interest credit cards. They know that that's what our behavior is. It all comes back to behavior. Yeah, and it, it, every credit card's based on... Um salary isn't it so you can't just go no anyone can go and get american express card it's based on what you earn it's an interesting well not everyone can no but it's an interesting one um it's it's a it's a hard my suggestion would be for any of your listeners don't go beyond with what your monthly uh expenses are i'm talking about take away your mortgage repayment take away your car repayment take anything away i'm talking about things that you need for your cost of living do not go over that limit and the banks are quite smart. This is one final thing I will say. Banks are quite smart because if you've got an average, you know, you know couple, well, the statistic might be $3,000 is their cost of living. The bank tend to go, well, we don't offer that credit card at that great rate for $3,000. You've got to take $10,000 to get that sharp interest rate. You with mm. me? Mm, yeah. So people take the 10 grand, but knowing three grand is their cost of living, knowing full well, are they going to call the bank to get it reduced because they'll, lo- they'll lose that attractive interest rate? Yeah. So it's a double-edged sword. So they, they, they you know, it, it, that's probably the biggest thing I would say to your listeners. Look at... Recruit Jake and the crew at Edwards and Smith Buyers Agents. Visit edwardsandsmith.com.au. This is SEN Saturdays in the Southeast. It's all about health, wealth and footy. NAB AFL Auskick is back. Register at play.afl slash Auskick. This is Saturdays in the Southeast on SEN. Hello and welcome back to the Saturdays in the Southeast. My name is Jack Fulham, filling in for Jason Matthews. The star of the show, as always, is Jake Edwards. And it is going to be a massive weekend for AFL in the Sunshine State. It's Q-Clash time, our favourite time of the year. Comes around twice. It's like getting Christmas twice. Twice, Jake. Uh, we've got the Gold Coast Suns hosting the Lions at Heritage Bank Stadium. 
this afternoon, 4.35. The lines are in red-hot form. Uh, the Suns have been a hot mess over the last month. They've had their coach sacked. But you never know uh, in these rivalry games, you can kind of throw form out the window sometimes. And we, uh, we know the Suns are going to be up for this one, Jake. Yeah, well, it's a Q clash. They've got to be. Uh, <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's a big one. The, the Suns aren't going terribly at the moment. And obviously, you now the Lions are up. But the loss of uh, the young fella uh, over the weekend uh, isn't great news for the team. But, oh, look, you'd expect the Lions to get the job done. But Suns at home down here on the coast, it's, uh, it's going to be a bit tighter than I think most, most predict. They have been a good side at home. And... At Metricon, oh, Heritage Bank now, and mm. uh, Carrara, you can sometimes get those greasy conditions and the Suns seem to play really well in them. Um, one member, you touched on it before, that the Lions will be without is the, well, pretty much the presumptive rising star winner, Will Ashcroft. Heartbreaking for him last week at the Gabba against Geelong going down with an ACL injury. That was uh, confirmed on Monday. He's a former skipper. Dane Zorko joined Sport Day during the week, and here's what he had to say on Will Ashcroft's knee injury. Yeah, that was really uh, the most upsetting thing that came out of the weekend for us, really. I mean, the news that, uh, you know, we, we got told Sunday morning, once Will had obviously had his scans and everything, um, that he had ruptured his ACL. So, yeah, it was a pretty somber mood after the game. We, You know, the doctors, they, they, they always wait for the scans, but... You know, deep down, they probably knew, and I think he probably knew as well. So, you know, it was it was quite a um, a dull mood in the change rooms after the game. But, you know, all we can do is wrap our arms around Will, and um, you know, he's in he's in the best hands possible. He's going to get um, operated on, you know, sometime in the next few weeks. Uh, you know, you've got the full support of all the playing group and and obviously everyone at the club. But, uh, yeah, that was a uh, yeah a big um, yeah, disappointment to come out of the game, but. You know, he's a really professional kid ever since he's got to the club. Even last year when he came and trained with us and played with our VFL team. Ultra professional. will do everything he possibly can to get back um, as quickly as possible. Um, no doubt the staff will take ultra care uh, in consideration with him given, you know, just <laughs> how much of an impact he's had for us and how good he's going to be into the future. So, um, yeah, it's, it's disappointing, but um, he'll be back bigger and better next year, no doubt. Tragic news for the young man, Will Ashcroft, but as Zorko said, he's a very professional kid and you know the, the time frame on it is 10 to 12 months. I wouldn't be surprised if he's back in about eight because uh, that kid just uh, lives and breathes footy every day of his life. Uh, Jake, obviously you spent a lot of time in the AFL system. What's it like and how depressing can it be when you see one of your teammates, you know, go down with a, a serious injury like that. And, you know, we saw it on the weekend that it, it really took the jam out of the Lions donut in that third quarter and Geelong were able to mount a comeback. Can it, it can really have an effect on a football side, can't it? Yeah, you can. And such a player as he's been this year. You know, first year in the system, he's had he's had such an impact. Uh, he's, he's actually a very deep hole that the Lions have to fill there. Um, and it's going to really test, test their depth. But, I mean, no one ever wants to go through a serious injury yourself, but, yeah, seeing your teammates go through it, it's always tough. And I think your role as a teammate is just get around them as much as you can. And I've been on, on, uh, on Ashcroft's side. I haven't, haven't done an ACL, but, I've, you know, I've dislocated my ankle once and missed about 12 weeks and had an operation, missed about seven weeks on my knee. Um, and it's, it's actually it's very isolating, that environment, uh, when you're in rehab. Depending on who else is in rehab at the time, he can be spending a lot of – Time by himself in the gym when no one else is around, when all the boys are out there, out there training. So, 
But I think ACLs have come such a long way. There's probably 10 years ago when if you'd done a knee, there's a lot of questions around whether or not you could get back and perform at the level that you had previously, where today with you know, modern medicine and sports, doctors and things like that, and him being so young, I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't put it past him here. He'll come back bigger and stronger and better. And if anything, he'll be in a better better place probably physically. So he'll spend a bit more time in the gym, get his body body up to scratch. And I mean, there's never a good time to do an ACL, Jack, but um, especially doing it at the back end of, of a season, it means that you, you miss basically 70, 80% of the next year. Uh, and now, the finals as, campaign too. As will, yeah. And, you know, they're pushing hard this year. They, they still can finish second the line. So, I mean, it'd be shattering for him uh, to to miss out on a flag if they get the chance to play in one. But I think uh, Nick Nananui was the same position at, at West Coast where I think he might have done his knee uh, that season when they, they beat the, the Pies at the MCG uh, grand Alex final. Alex Rance in, in 2019 for the Tigers did his yep. ACL in round one and, and missed out on a premiership. He's littered with those stories. Yeah, it is. It, it can galvanise a group too. Um, yeah, the boys can really use that. Uh, maybe because he's so young, they won't lean on it as much. But, um, you know, he's been such an important cog for him this year through that midfield and that rotation. It'll be interesting to see how they go without him and who they bring in and the impact that they that they have. But it's a, it's a big game this week, uh, this weekend against the against the Suns, mate. I just I wouldn't put it past the Suns really putting this one on the mantle if they're going to knock any team over the next, say, four, what was it, four games to go. Yeah, but- this would be the one to... Um, to fight, and the Suns have got something to play for too, mate. They're, they're, you know, they're they're pushing for a for an they're, eighth, they're still eighth position. In, they're still in the calculations, mm. which is they've been so disappointing this year. The Suns, uh, they they've shown some really good football at times, but uh, in a lot of crunch time games and in crunch time quarters, especially third quarters, they've they've just faded away. And uh, and the fact that they're still in with the hunt just goes to show how um how even this season has been, but. They're going to have their work cut out for them on the weekend, Jake. Cause they will, yeah. Today, because l- listen to these stats of the uh, the last nine Q clashes. So the Gold Coast haven't won since round five, 2018. Lions have won nine in a row by an average margin of 47 points. Uh, aside from a few matches uh, in the last couple of years, the Suns have not fired a shot at the Lions for five years. Well, I'll tell you what I'd be doing, Kingy, the, the coach. I'd be sticking that stat up on the wall around the, the club all this week. Um, it has to change. It something has to change at some some point. And what I really hope, mate, fingers crossed. I really hope Big Benny Kingy comes out and uh, and finds some form and hasn't and, kicked and a goal kick. in three games. Yeah, it mate. It's uh, you know I've watched him a couple of times, and ever since I think the St Kilda game back, probably six seven weeks ago now, he just he seems to deteriorate in his confidence and yeah, you know, knowing knowing him, um, the type of person he is, he's, he's very humble and and. The confidence thing for him is is a big thing this weekend. So hopefully he can he can have a big game and the boys uh, can get up uh, against the Lions. But yeah, it's certainly uh, they're they're up against it. That's for sure. He, but they're playing his for teammate, spot. his teammate Jack Lacocious, who is absolutely flying at the moment. He's oh, had he's a great Australian. season. Yeah, oh, he'd, he'd go close too. Yeah. Uh, he spoke to Patton Heels on SEM Breakfast in Queensland this week, and he said that. And he basically just let the cat out of the bag and he said, we're going to be looking for Ben King early and try and get him a goal early and, and get his tail up because once he gets his tail up, he can be hard to stop. But he he's a he's a real confidence player, still a young man. And and we 
you know, we, we forget that he's coming off the, the back of a, a season missed with an ACL reconstruction. So uh, sometimes it's, uh, you have to temper the expectations on him because he is a young man and is relatively still inexperienced at AFL level. Yeah, very much so. And I think we've got to remind ourselves sometimes how young, um, you know, not just Will is, but obviously King. He's got plenty of upside. He's got plenty of footy in front of him. I just hope that he, he sees his footy ahead of him up here at the Gold Coast and he doesn't get any temp- temptation to head back down south and he can see through. I, I think the appointment, Jack, of hopefully they're doing the right thing at the moment, the, the Suns, and going through the process of, of asking Hardwick to, uh, to step in. I think if they can secure someone like Damien, I, I couldn't see anyone at that footy club wanting to leave. And that's what the Suns need, mate. They need some security. They need some confidence. The playing group needs to be under a coach that they know. He's been there. He's done it. He's won flags. He's done everything. There's a wealth of knowledge there that he can pass down to the group. But um, one coach isn't going to be the answer. So the playing group needs to really get behind it and push and push hard. The, the, the talent's there. The quality's there. As you can see, they haven't, they've haven't. had an up-and-down season. You go back to the... The Adelaide and the West, uh, the Western Bulldogs back-to-back wins they had up in Darwin. They played beautiful football in the wet, um, good competing heart. They were challenged a couple of times during the game. They've got some maturity. They've just got to put it together consistently. And with the right coach and the right balance of support staff around them, I can see them playing finals in the next couple of years. They just need to get that, that mate, throw the kitchen stink, uh, sink at, uh, at Hardwick, I tell you, because if they miss him... Geez, I reckon there'd be an exodus uh, at the club. I, I just, yeah, I, I couldn't see any other coach stepping in having the impact that someone like a Harwick could have. Nab AFL Auskick is back. Register at play.afl slash Auskick. Now it's time to have a look at the AFLQ, the local league here in southeast Queensland, with only four rounds to go. The comp is uh, it's heating up, Jakey. And uh, last week, Palm Beach and Labrador, they played out an 84-all draw Last week, with both teams on 26 points, that result uh, could end up seeing both of them miss the finals. That's how uh, how cutthroat the competition is this year. Yeah, it's pretty tight. I mean, some teams started really well. Now they're they're at that point of the year where you kind of got a handful of games to go, and you're sitting. You know, probably you might have a few boys that are a little bit under the weather, a bit sore leading into the back end of the year. But you got to you got to pull together. And that that bracket, mate, from what are we say seven to to four? There's only only a couple game or a couple wins in that. Well, definitely seven to five. So there's a couple wins in there that can decide the top five. So it's pretty tight coming to the back end. Now let's have a look at the fixtures for round 18. Only three games this weekend. Noosa they host Mount Gravatt at uh, the Noosa Oval. That is a it's a battle of cellar dwellers really. Uh, Mount Gravatt sitting tenth, Noosa eleventh. Both uh, forgettable seasons for both of those clubs, but. Um, yeah, you know, it's, it's been a tough year. Yeah, it has been, you know, and like Mount Gravatt have been up and down again. They've had a couple wins of late. Uh, Noosa, have, you haven't had the year that they would have liked. Uh, they, they were a powerhouse a couple of years ago, and they're obviously on the rebuild at the moment. But look, both sitting, what, 10 and 11, there's something on the line there, a bit of pride. So it might be a, a pretty good game to head out there and, and have a look. And in the other games, Redland, Victoria Point, they are at home against Wilson Grange. And Sherwood play Broad Beach. Uh, we will be back next to wrap up the show. And that segment, of course, brought to you by NAB AFL Auskick. It is back. Register at play.afl forward slash Auskick. And we'll be back uh, in a few moments' time to wrap up the show. 
Recruit Jake and the crew at Edwards and Smith Buyers Agents. Visit edwardsandsmith.com.au. This is SEN Saturdays in the Southeast. It's all about health, wealth, and footy. And we're almost out of time on Saturdays in the Southeast, so we better get going, Jake. What have you got on for your weekend running around this afternoon for Cooparoo, I've heard? Yeah, mate, I've got about three inspections to go look at before I head off to Maine Football Club for the uh, the big clash. We're still on the feet of the boys, so looking to cap off the next two games and then a week off and then finals. What about you? What are you up to? Well, I am going to see tonight the Brazilian World Cup fans taking over Caxon Street. They play... France at, uh, well, Brisbane Stadium, as it's called for the World Cup, at Suncorp Stadium tonight, 8 o'clock. It is going to be an absolute beauty. Two real powerhouse women's teams, and they both bring really fashion, uh, passionate fans along and a lot of them that have travelled from overseas. So uh, really excited to see that one. Yeah, absolutely. And the Ashes, get on the couch. I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll probably picture you, mate. You probably, I'm surprised you're not off to the cinemas to watch Barbie or something like that. I, well, <laughs> that's, uh, that's for tomorrow, mate. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy, buddy. <laughs> That's all we got time for Saturdays in the Southeast. We'll be back next Saturday with hopefully Jason Matthews returning.